Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. This is Basic Folk, a podcast where we interview folk musicians. We have deep, connected conversations with folk musicians. You know it's weird out there. I am hoping that you're being smart, staying safe, following whatever weird guidelines it is that we have been given at whatever point you're listening to this podcast at. Um, It is a very strange time, and I will just say out of my own experience, just remember to drink water, uh, remember to stop listening to the news when you need a break, move your body around, because I made the mistake of like not moving my body for five days and did an intense workout and then was like, oh my god, how do bodies move? It was intense. And also, like, make sure you're just checking in with people. I've been trying to convince my mom to, like, call my cousin's wife on FaceTime so that she can see their baby just because, you know, she wants to check in. And, you know, she's like, I don't want to bother people. And it's like, now is the time to be to bother others in your life. People want to hear from you. And it's okay. It's weird. And if you you know, need something, reach out. And even if it's, if it's hard, just like send a text saying hi to someone and see if that starts a conversation. Cause sometimes it's terribly hard to reach out. But the other thing is, is that sometimes people don't know that you need something. So just give them a hint, a whisper of, of a hint, if you would. Today on the podcast, very happy to have an old friend of mine, Jesse D, who is a Boston area singer and songwriter. He is a painter and a singer who takes influence from classic soul and R&B. He's the eldest of five children raised in Arlington, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. Jesse was obsessed with oldies on the radio from a young age. He also turned to theater as a teen and started writing songs and learning about guitar in high school. He attended Mass Art, which if you're not a Boston person, is the Massachusetts College of Art and Design, which is like the hip art school in the area. Uh, while he was there, he had an intention of becoming a professional artist, but a stint in a touring act in college pointed him towards music and performance as a life calling. Jesse's released a couple of brilliant albums that encapsulate that incredible R&B and soul sound that he originally fell in love with. 
We talk about what drew him to that sound originally and what he enjoys about writing soul and R&B classics and, and what he enjoys in that writing of those classics. Also, uh, his dad was totally on the PBS show This Old House. So, like, come on. Uh, we are going to check out a song from his 2013 album, which is his latest. He will hopefully have a new album this year, next year, sometime soon. This is kind of the title track called On My Mind, In My Heart. Let's hear it from Jesse D, and then we'll get to our conversation on basic fuck. I'm on the road, you're still at home, doing your day-to-day. Well, I'm on my own, and you're all alone, too many miles away. Through rivers and roads, cities and towns, countries and continents. But despite what it seems, the space in between us is insignificant. Oh, just like our feet where they touch on the ground, just like gravity. Take my word, rest assured, you'll be on my mind and in my heart, on my mind. Okay, Jesse D. Hello, Cindy. Hello, thanks for talking to me. Thank you for having me here. You were born in the city of Boston. I was born in the city of Boston. And grew up in Arlington, which is an interesting place. Um, It's right next to, like, the epicenter of culture in this state. Um, So... You may have experienced Boston and Cambridge in a different way. Um, what was that like growing up so close to town? Uh, well, I'm old enough to remember that, like, you went to Davis Square to get, like, mugged, basically. Well, <laughs> so, like, back in this, uh, so Davis Square is in Somerville. Davis Square, which, which you know, is kind of a... Uh, it's a hopping, hopping spot. Yeah, now. it's it's. Uh, I guess it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's a epicenter and and quickly becoming. Uh, I don't want to like sit here and be like, oh, I remember when. Uh, when it was Slummerville. When it was Slummerville, but yeah. uh, I do, in fact, remember that. And um, uh, in hindsight, I feel very fortunate to be having grown up in this area. I I love this area. I like the. Uh, uh, but it's it's changed very much from what it mm. from what it once was. When so your your parents, did you have both parents? Okay. Yes. Um, what was your relationship like with them? It was it was great. Because you were kid number one. I was kid number one, so I was kind of like the, uh, you know, their first run of it, and uh, <laughs> they were very. Uh, they took great care of me. My father uh, was a uh, painting contractor. Yeah, my mother was a grade school teacher. What grade? Um, it bounced around from everywhere from, you know, second through fourth or fifth. It was kind of like wherever the school needed her to, to be, but she was involved in... Uh, she was involved in, like, the library program and the theater program, as well as, like, teaching just regular grade school activities. So she definitely... They definitely inspired creativity in me, and mm. I think my father inspired trade craftsmanship. Mm. And uh, 
Take, taking pride in, in craftsmanship. Was your dad on this old house? He was on this old house, Please yes. tell me about that. Um, uh, my father... Uh, my father was a painter on on this whole featured on this whole house, and he was featured in their magazine and on their like numerous times. Numerous times, yes. Um, he's a he's a very um, a very knowledgeable uh, painter, and I've uh, I've worked with him over the years and from a very young age. So, is he is, um, does he do like artistic painting as well? Um, not so much. More more. Uh, Kind of a whole a whole bunch of different things, but mm -hmm. uh, lots of like wood finishing and restoration and um, fine fine painting of, of of sorts. I know who to call if I need any painting. You know who to call, yeah. yeah. Um, John W D. <laughs> um, were your parents strict? Um, yeah, to a to a certain point, I would say so, but not. I guess in the. Uh, in the spectrum of strict parents, hmm. they probably could have been a lot stricter. What kind? What kind of things were they strict about? Um, they were. Um, it was definitely a, a religious household that I grew up in. I think that there was, you know, growing up. I remember, like there's certain, like, you know, certain television we couldn't watch, or and I, I think that that translated to music at a young age. They would let me listen to the oldie station. Mm -hmm. But that was like what that I was, was allowed to yeah. listen to, wow. which I which I think um, th that led to you know some initial uh, seeds planted for my mm. musical taste, I guess. But when you so they were like, okay, Jesse, you can't watch this particular TV show or listen to these particular radio stations. Were you like, okay, or did you like go over to your friends' houses and you know try to try to sneak that stuff? Yeah, I mean, sooner or later, I I exposed myself to lots lots of stuff, and uh, I guess. Uh, Were you disobedient? Is what I'm asking. Um, or were you were you a good kid? Ultimately, ultimately, I I was a pretty good kid. You know, I I would I would probably push push their limits, um, but yeah, yeah, I was a good kid, and they, and they were. I I don't mean to make them sound like. A, super strict people it was so, just right so okay i feel like i've asked you questions about your parents before but always in the context of like they were strict they were religious so in what ways were um were they fun they were fun in the sense that uh i mean those were the days where you just like you know let your kids out and be home by this certain time which isn't isn't uh just doesn't strike me as what parents do anymore. So in, no in oversight. Two thousand twenty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I grew up uh, I grew up next to um, uh, some woods in our backyard. So I would I would wander the woods by myself and you know build forts as a little kid. And uh, they they were fun in that they spurred my creative imagination. And uh, I'm trying to think of good fun examples, <laughs> but yeah. You're the eldest of five children. I am. Which is a lot of children. How do you like being the oldest brother? What was that like for you? I, I mean, I guess I, I liked it fine. I never, I never, I never knew anything else. So it was, it was never anything, you know, you can change. It was mm -hmm. just, just, I guess I've always got, got along with my siblings for the most part. My youngest siblings are, my youngest 
uh, brother is like 15 years younger than me. So I guess in our, 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 our youth is disconnected to a certain degree that I was kind of, you know, graduating high school by the time he was like a toddler type of thing. So were there, what were the rules? I'm, in, I'm interested in how like your parents parenting style like evolved. You weren't allowed to listen to any radio station except the oldie station. How is that different from your brother who's 15 years younger than you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it's true with, um, I mean, I speculate when I, when I say I'm sure it's true with lots of parents, but I mean, I think people's parenting styles, um, probably get relaxed over time mm -hmm. and <clears throat> that with your, with your first kid, you, you, you know, you want to, you wish the best for them and you want, want to get it right. And, uh, but I'm sure that you realize you probably get tired and you <laughs> probably, uh, you realize what some things aren't as important. And, uh, so did they relax? I would, I would say over time, yes. they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they considerably relaxed. Let's talk about, um, if you're comfortable with it, your experience with religion growing up. What was that sure. like? Um, you know, it was, uh, it was just kind of how, how we were raised type of thing. What kind um, of religion? It was, uh, it was just like a non-denominational Christian household. So, and I went to, um, I went to a school that was affiliated with, with the church that they were part of. So like kindergarten through eighth grade, it was like a small, uh, private school. How, um, how small? Um, I was the, on the, f on the first day of school when I was in kindergarten, it, there were like six people. I think there were around six kids, six little people, six tiny, tiny people. <laughs> and, uh, I think I was the first kid to go through all wow. K through eight in the school. It's quite an accomplishment. It was a timing thing. It just happened to be there. So this um, church um, said it's a non-denominational Christian church. So is it yeah, like a community-oriented type of sure, place? Sure. Yeah, it was a community-oriented type of place. And um, uh, I think that um, I think that I got a great education from the school from the school yeah right. being in a uh, teacher uh, teacher to student ratio was, yeah was good. totally and, uh, yeah there was kind of a whole community that raised 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 kids and uh, it uh, school got considerably bigger over time mm -hmm. that, that, that just happened to be what was um did what kind of like religious um, themes did they incorporate into your school um you know there there was there was you know praise and praise and worship for god i guess and uh, that certainly uh became uh, a vehicle for music in my life mm -hmm. um on a constant uh basis would you um have music in school Yes. As well. yeah. Yes. And was it um, kind of religious themed music? Yes, for the most part. 
I don't know that I was ever like a really good Christian, so to speak, in that context. I think that... Um, what do you mean? Um, I was never... Uh, I was never like really into it. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I think as a kid, if you're kind of growing up in, in that, um, in that environment, you don't, you're kind of inserted in that. And, um, I think it's good, you know, as people grow older that they can formulate their own thoughts and ideas, but I guess, I guess religion, re religion can function differently for, for different sorts of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of be good, a lot of good that can come out of it depending on the person. And I think that uh, it instilled good, good virtues in me. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a Christian at this mm -hmm. at this point in my life. It's interesting to hear that you were never like kind of into it, but it was like such a huge part of your life. Yeah, I mean, it was also you know a long time ago too. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself. I'm trying to give you an accurate description, but also. Things get foggier as, as you get further away from your... <laughs> well, now you'll have this recording, so you That's can right. remember That's it forever. Right. Um, would you go every Sunday to church? Yeah, I would I yeah. would have to. And uh, my father, uh, my father was... Um, I would have to. <laughs> like the, the worship, uh, the music leader in, in the church. So I would see him um, singing, and there would be a live, a live band basically playing. Are your parents hippies? No, I think my I think my father was probably a little bit of a hippie when he was like in his late teens. But he was he up there playing guitar? Playing guitar yeah. and singing, yeah. And singing. You were singing as well in church? I was, yeah. And that was your first time performing in front of people? Um I I would I would be uh, I would be singing some in church. I pro probably my first time performing in front of people would be more like theater productions, oh, okay. like like in school. Gotcha. And um, between that and I was involved in uh, like a youth course. Do you remember how that felt when you would first perform, um, when you'd first sing in front of people, and how you felt about your singing? I mean, having a having a crowd of people applaud for you is is a rush. It's it's mm -hmm. a uh, it's a good feeling, and I, I remember that. Do you remember liking your singing when you first were performing? Um, that's that's a tricky one. I I remember that I liked singing. I don't know if I always liked my mm -hmm. singing. To this day, I often find it cringeworthy lis listening back <laughs> type of thing, but I enjoy it. In the moment, I think that I think that maybe the parts that I didn't like or that I don't like inspire me or push me to get it to the point where mm -hmm. I do like it or like lean into the parts you don't like. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think that, that I had a yeah I think <laughs> that I had a certain natural ability to do so, mm -hmm. but it's something I've I've worked hard at my whole life I guess yeah. to get better at. Um, I'm just, I'm I'm just trying to think back to how I first thought about my singing. What kind of kid were you when you were little? Were you like a loud kid? Were you We talked about how you were um you followed the rules. Um, yeah, to the to the for the most part. You know, I was very um 
I was a creative kid. So I was, as, as a kid growing up, I was more involved in visual arts than I was in, in music mm -hmm. to the extent that music is in my life today. Um, so I would be, um, I would be, uh, I was, I was a creative kid and I was probably certainly like a right brained person growing up mm -hmm. from an artistic standpoint, but I was probably, and probably to this day, I'm still probably more of an introvert. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I was necessarily loud and. So interesting. We'll get back to that introvert, but first the radio. So we mentioned this a little bit that your parents allowed you to listen to the oldies station in Boston, which was oldies 103.3 WODS. WODS, yeah. Which started getting you in, you started getting into ODS when you were in the third or fourth grade. Can you talk about your connection to radio when you were younger and how it felt to listen to oldies on the radio? Yeah, I mean, I remember having it, I had a, I remember having an alarm clock that had, you know, a little cassette player built into it. So I would listen to it like before bed type of thing, like going to bed. Do you have a sleep timer on it? Um, I mean, I did, that's why. If, I, I, them, I don't, I don't know if sleep timers were like part of part of the radio yet or part of like the, a, uh, there was like a button i guess there was a button you could press called on sleep it. and it would play the radio for 30 minutes for 30 minutes and yeah. then and then uh, i've got one in here let's go take a look after the sleep button um i do i do have memories of hearing i have memories of hearing songs like in my sleep and waking up the next morning and be like, Hey mom, is there a song that like, that goes like this? And she'd be like, yeah, that's really weird. But <laughs> that you'd heard on the, that I had heard, that I'd heard like, you know, maybe I wasn't full deep sleep, but and I remember you're still thinking I'd about wake it. up and I, wow. and I could sing it. I remember. Would it be incorporated into your dreams at all? Um, I think, I think that it would be in, yeah, I think it's the same idea that like, you know, uh, you know, people will have like trucks, trucks backing up in their dream and then they wake up and it's it's their alarm beep me going <laughs> I used to um turn my alarm on like way back in the 90s um I would turn on Howard Stern like automatically and then Howard Stern would appear in my dream <laughs> happened more than once like, yeah you talk a lot about connecting with authentic raw emotional music why do you think those elements of emotion and rawness were resonating with your third grade self um, which I guess is sort of like in in talking about you were you labeled yourself like kind of an introverted kid but internally did you feel did you feel like dramatic or emotional um, and, and maybe this music helped uh, relieve some of that I don't know that when I was in third grade I was I was thinking, oh, this is really getting in touch with my emotions. For sure, know? but like thinking back now, if you're like, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think that I mean one of the um, one of the beautiful things about music as an as an art form or as a physical uh, as as an experience is that it it has a f actual physical effect on you. So um, whether it's something that 
moves you for whatever reason, just by hearing it. Like, you don't have to necessarily understand it or be able to dissect it or understand why it's making you feel something. You know that you're just feeling something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what, um, that's what a catchy melody could do, whether it's something that you're you're singing the next day because it's stuck in your head mm-hmm. or... Is that, that's what it did to you. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, still yeah. do, it still does that to me. I like the way that you're answering my questions and like, uh, you're, you're saying in life, this can happen. And, and then, um, like it happened, that's what you're talking about that happened to you, right? Oh, abs- yes. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think that, um, I, I love the way that music still does that to me. And I think that, um, it's, it's certainly fuels inspiration for, um, for creating music and wanting, wanting to make other people feel the way that I feel when mm. I, when I hear music. Right. Yeah. That's, I've, I've, um, read you talking about that. Like, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say, and it's so true that like music makes you feel less alone. And it's it's just so nice to be able to like identify that as like something that you want to do as as an artist and as a musician. You didn't play guitar until you were eighteen, um, and you were fronting a band and writing. So, what was the reason for learning the guitar? Um, I, I started picking up the guitar. My, my father played guitar through and, and still does, um, as I was growing up. So I would pick it up and, and try to play it. I don't think I, I really sat down and, and tried to form my fingers in, in various positions t- till I was like 17 or 18. And, um. I think um, at that point I had started started writing writing songs and, and singing them, so it it definitely functioned as a means of accompanying mm. myself. And you said your dad helps you figure out the guitar, and I also read the Bob Dylan. You had a Bob Dylan guitar book. I I. Uh, yeah, he he started help showing me basic chords, and then I yeah I, at some point I remember having a it was like the Bob Dylan six chord songbook. Six whatever. chords. Yeah, so there was like not just three. Throughout the book, there was like only six <laughs> chords, and so that was that was that was an attraction for a beginning guitarist of sorts. <laughs> for sure. Painting um, has always been a big part of your life. You were painting before you were a musician, and you almost went into art as a profession over music. So how did you first start painting artistically? I think it's a, just, you know, probably crayons. Finger paint? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Craypaws or crayons? Um, I was more of a crayon guy, Cindy. Yeah, okay. But uh, you know, I dipped into some craypaws here and there. I mean, I love a good craypaw. I love a good craypaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just something that I think that I I probably had a certain 
natural ability to do as as a young kid and I think when you're a little kid you you like stuff that you have a natural ability to do so I mm -hmm. think it was something that I enjoyed and spent a lot of time drawing as a kid I was taking art classes I remember as a fifth and fifth and sixth grader mm -hmm. like outs outside of school my parents were nice to enroll me in your parents do sound nice. They're they're wonderful people. They're wonderful <laughs> people. They're they're not that strict. <laughs> and drawing and painting by the time I got to high school was was very much part of that and certainly helped me get through high school, I think. So Yeah. High school. Um, so fun, huh? Yeah, it's a great time. Uh I I think that probably uh starting to perform in a touring band in 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 college while studying um studying visual art certainly helped uh, diverge my interests mm. oh yeah um and i think it just gradually became more clear that music that music moved me mm. in a way that i wanted to spend more time doing that how hard was that choice um, because you you spent your whole like life trajectory like working towards being a, an artist, and then all of a sudden you make this discovery. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that it I don't know that it's like uh, such like a cut and dry choice that one day uh, well that's the end of that. You know? <laughs> um, I'm. I I still utilize those skills to a certain point. I don't think I exercise those muscles, so to speak, mm. um, as as much as I do with music. But you still paint and freelance as a graphic designer, and you say the painting sparks your music. You say I sing when I paint. I've composed songs while I paint a number of times. Can you talk about what? that is like to paint and sing and how that act is inspiring? I think it would be just the same as singing while uh, doing the dishes or mowing your lawn. I, 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 Those I don't sound like things that you want to do. No. Chores. No, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to read into the, like the actual... Hmm physical experience that uh, I don't know how much weight we should put on the actual painting part. It's, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I see a difference between that and singing while you're doing anything else. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, it sounds so fun to sing and paint. It's like painting la 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 la, 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 la and then like this up and down motion. <laughs> yeah. This is how you, did you hear my wrist crack when I was doing that? Um, oh boy, old. It's it's been a while, yeah. yeah. <laughs> since I since I painted in the air. Um, if you're getting into a painted representation of audible music, trying to make a visual picture of what something sounds like as you hear it, that's a different sensory experience. What do you mean? Um, if you're trying to make a painting of what. A certain piece of music sounds like to you. Have you done that? Sure. So what's that like? It's it's enjoyable, but it's you know a subjective thing. Is it? 
Have you done it for like one particular song or an album? I remember doing it, painting a whole uh, a whole bunch of stuff for uh, Bitches Brew, Miles Davis record. You just put the record on and listen to it over and over again? I remember doing that in, uh, it was an exercise in a class. I remember in college. How'd you feel the next day for listening? Felt great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay, so you went to Mass Art. Mass Art is like, if you don't know, Mass Art is this like super duper arty school in Boston. From my experience, everyone I know who went there was like a major art kid in high school. My best friend in high school went to Mass Art and really? she was like very arty you know like she's in high school carrying around the humongous portfolio yeah like up and down the you know it's a certain type of kid so so tell me how you fit in with with the art kids yeah i was i was an art kid from i don't know that uh you know it's certainly not the most kind of artsy school even, it's pretty artsy even on that street i would argue that the museum school of fine arts <laughs> oh well is very much more artsy in the mass art has in the way that i think you're getting at these kids are carrying around um super eight film cameras in their um what in their messenger bike messenger bags yep with their capes hanging low <laughs> as like an artsy teenager kind of being inserted into an environment like that it's a wonderfully amazing scenario did I you think. feel like the movie fame you walked in no 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 not at <laughs> not all quite I, like that. I, I mean i think i think it's a type of thing where uh, indicative of of any time of someone's life at that point where they're moving out of high school and especially in like an artistic uh, environment that it's it's inspiring and um, I mean I mean you're you're going you're going into a um, pool of much more talented artists and from all walks of life and it's 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 very eye eye opening and mm. uh, I have very fond memories of being there. I want to talk about your image, the way you express yourself with your clothing and with your hairstyle on stage and in real life. Granted, you're wearing a hat right now. Okay. So we can't see the hair. Use your imagination. Yeah. Um, But the way that you express yourself with your exterior image is, like, pretty awesome. You are on stage. You're wearing a suit jacket and a tie. And a number of years ago, you had this incredible hairstyle that (laughs) made you, like, three feet taller. That's you, right. I don't even know how to describe the hair. So it was like you cut a watermelon in half and then you put it on top of your head, but it was hair. It was. It but was it looked like, better than that. I think that's subjective, you know, <laughs> as to how, how good it actually looked. Um, uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I was been blessed with, with a big old thick head of hair. And. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, it was it was a very low maintenance um, do maybe maybe just... a, like a bouffant, I would say. Yeah, it was like um, it was like a a bump, like on a man, <laughs> yeah. like a bump do on a man. It was a bump do. Yeah. Yeah, but you just did your does your hair grow up? It kind of grows out, 
And I think that uh, it functioned as a recognizable image. Oh, yeah. In the sense of uh, like a brand or branding one's right. image, uh, which can be useful in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the world of music, uh, in the business side of things. Um, when did you get rid of the watermelon bouffant? Um, I, it was probably six, seven years ago. And you've been slicking it back. I've been I've been slicking it back. It's a little more streamlined. I can I can dart, move around quicker. Right, aerodynamic. Stay, aerodynamic. Yes. Um, uh, I think that uh, I think that I just needed to needed to switch it up. Mm -hmm. need, needed a change. And uh, <laughs> you know you're always gonna be that guy. <laughs> I yeah I probably will always be that guy. <laughs> and uh, I think that. Um, I like the slick back. It looks Thank very you. sharp. I think it looks. I think it's a better look for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you agree. I mean, if you go back to the watermelon, I'm I'm on. Your, I, I mean, whatever decision you want to make, we'll support you. Yeah. I, I, maybe I was trying to look farther into the future and, and thought of uh, musicians with big hair that that tried to keep that going a little bit too long, and you know. <laughs> Picture that bouffant just sagging a little bit oh and just boy. not really having the. Uh... What about the way you dress on stage? Um, I think that I like I like getting dressed up for one. I like I like uh, the aspect of making a show like an event. Like it's I like the way that it frames the concept or the idea of a show. Mm -hmm. I think that it shows respect for the audience that's come to see the show. Yeah. It certainly harkens back to a style of fifties, um, sixties uh, R and B mm. music that that I enjoy. So I think that it can help to frame the context of what people are hearing, mm -hmm. even if it's not exactly what they're hearing. There is so there is intention and thought. Sure. Behind it, yeah. To a certain to a certain point. So here's a quote from you. It's easy to come across contrived as a white person singing soul music, even more so than other genres because of the history and because of the deep-seated meaning of it all. Whereas I love James Brown, I'm not trying to be James Brown. I'm trying to be me. There's that phrase, blue-eyed soul singer, which is used to describe a white person singing what is typically seen as a black genre of music. Somebody in an article actually called you a brown-eyed soul singer. Which was interesting. Um, how do you feel about that, like racial divide in music? There are terms used to classify music in like a subgenre, basically. Mm -hmm. But they're kind of they're they're kind of classifying the subgenre by race. In this particular instance, yeah, yeah. brown-eyed soul is actually used for. Um, like Latin, really, heritage singing soul music. There's one, there's a wonderful brown-eyed soul that came out of um, Texas and uh, the Southwest of of the United States. Hmm. Uh, honestly, I think it. I think the classification part is a little silly. However, people need to classify it for themselves. I think as music listeners. Um, People often find the need to classify mm. music, um, and and to each his own. I think that that doesn't change where 
the origins of rhythm and blues music came from. It's it is a black music by origin. I think all the best soul music, some of my favorite soul music, has been created. Has been a been a interracial uh, effort. Mm. Uh, a lot of stuff at stacks. Recall. Um, yeah, fame. Uh, some some of the best music ever made, I think, was made independent of uh, people's eyes hmm. uh, in this in this respect. So um, it, it kind of is what it is. It's you know I'm not gonna like it's not something I don't get offended by being called a blue eyed soul singer, mm-hmm. so to speak. It's just kind of it is just kind of silly. It's yeah, it's kind of silly and um, it's kind of like um, it's different. But it's like, when when you use the term blue-eyed soul singer, it's kind of like female musician. It's like you're a musician, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, to- two the, 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 totally the, different the, worlds. The same idea, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the idea of a different classification. Right, yeah. and, and, and I would say, like, calling someone a blue-eyed soul singer is just a, like the white world saying hey just so you know this person isn't black so right in like in in a in a way that like the female musician is demeaning to females but blue-eyed soul singers is not demeaning to white people that's not what i'm trying to to draw a parallel between right you know what i mean i just want it to be super clear about that yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, I guess I, I don't, I think it's kind of silly. I don't really worry. I don't really dwell on it or take offense to it or. Yeah, no, no I wouldn't think that you'd be offended by it, but just like, you know, if, if I never heard the phrase blue-eyed soul singer, it couldn't, like, it couldn't be soon enough, you know? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, I don't care what race the person is who's right. singing it. You know, I understand the origin of where it came from. Um, and that's about that's about all. Yeah, I think that music in and of itself, whether whether it's soul music or whatever kind of music, um, is so much greater than the pigment in someone's skin, mm. so to speak. And I think it it's a lot more powerful than that and has the ability of to affect and inspire... All kinds of people, hmm. no matter where they came from, what they look like. Hmm. All right. We're going to do something very fun. Okay. You're going to love it. I can't wait. It's called the lightning round. All right. Um, and you're not. You're, I never even know that I would make it all the way. Yeah. Far. And you made it all the way. <laughs> uh, and we'll see if you uh, will survive. This This will be it. This will be is... it. Okay. Jesse D, here's the lightning round. First song you ever learned on the guitar. Uh, knocking on Heaven's Door. What was the first non-Bob Dylan song you learned on guitar? Pass. Okay. <laughs> Come on, light, lightning round. By, uh, Batman or Superman? Uh, Batman. Lakes or beaches? Beaches. Karaoke song? Let's stay together. <laughs> uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. What is your coffee order? Uh, it's, it's usually an Americano with an extra shot of espresso. Diesel. Uh, favorite U.S. city? 
Ooh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, it's it's probably uh, New Orleans. Nice. First album you bought with your own money. <laughs> your face right now. <laughs> it might have been a, a Boys to Men cassette tape. Wow. Wow. All right. First concert. First concert. I couldn't tell you. All right. Last book you read. Uh, it's a book called The Hardest Working Man. Uh, it's about uh, the night that James Brown saved Boston. Nice. Uh, dream collaboration. Uh, Mavis Staples. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Flying or Invisibility? Invisibility. Star Trek or Star Wars? <laughs> Star Wars. What is the most beautiful... Where is the most beautiful place you've ever visited? Italy. Uh, the Amalfi Coast in nice. Italy. All right. Great. Oh, that's perfect. All right. Woo! You did it. Thank you you survived the lightning round. Thank you. It you, was it was close. Yes. Now uh, go forth in your life. And when are you gonna um, do another record? Do you know? Um, hof- hopefully soon. Soon. Okay. Been been, uh, been dragging my feet a little bit. On a little bit. It, but uh, ho- hopefully this year. Listen, we would love to have you back doing a track by track if you're ever into that. Sure. Yeah. Great. Well, it would be a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jesse. Yes, D. Was this. Thank you. Thanks. Basic Folk this week was produced by the amazing Laura McCarthy. Adam Corey is also a producer on Basic Folk. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Alex Stanton of Townspeople does our music. I hope to FaceTime with all of these people ASAP and implore you to FaceTime or Skype if you have a droid or whatever droid people do to video call people check in with your people make sure they're doing okay during this v strange time uh what else i'm cindy house i host this podcast i also work at club passim and we right now club passim in cambridge massachusetts is an incredible historic folk venue right now we are raising money to help artists who have had canceled gigs due to COVID-19, which you can check out at passim.org slash pear fund, pear like the fruit, passim.org slash pear fund. And you can check out Keep Your Distance Fest at that link as well. It's incredible. Oh man, okay, stay cool. And we'll talk to you next week, which it'll probably be crazier, but we'll find out. Okay, bye.